season is right around the corner and I've got the biggest storylines that you need to follow it's the calm before the storm let's go What's going on, listeners? Welcome back to another episode here on the Sean's Take Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Sean Gold, and we're getting ready to talk some sports. Now, right now, I do have to say, we're kind of in a dead point in sports. There's just not a whole lot going on. MLB spring training is starting up, but we're not into any serious games. The NBA has just resumed from their all-star break, so that's getting ready to heat up as teams get ready for the final stretch, but immediately there's not a whole lot of excitement going on there. And then the NFL is getting ready for the draft. They're getting ready for free agency. But this week especially, it's the calm before the storm. So the NFL free agency starts on March 13th, which is coming up. The NFL draft is April 25th through 27th. Soon we're going to have the combine, and we're going to have pro days and everything that goes with that. But in this exact moment, There's not a whole lot going on. So with us being in a little bit of a dead spot right now, I'm going to get you in and out today, but I do want to talk about some of the biggest storylines to watch as we get ready for this calm before the storm in the NFL to be over and we're fully into the NFL offseason. So I just got a couple points that you need to be following because this NFL offseason has the potential to get absolutely crazy. And here's why. Up first... We have the Chicago Bears dilemma. What do the Chicago Bears do? They got the number one pick again in the draft because of that trade with the Carolina Panthers last year. You obviously have Justin Fields, who has shown that he can lead this team and shown that he can win games. But then on the other side, you got Caleb Williams coming out of the draft, who many are comparing to Patrick Mahomes coming out of the draft, and who many are saying may be one of the best quarterback prospects ever. So there's this big question mark around the Bears. Do you trade the number one pick and recoup draft assets? Or do you trade Justin Fields, draft Caleb Williams, and kind of restart that rookie quarterback contract and build your team around Caleb Williams out of USC? Financially, there is a correct decision if you're looking at this purely from an economic standpoint. And that would be to trade Justin Fields away, avoid having to sign him to a big-time extension, and draft Caleb Williams. You've got five years of rookie quarterback money then before you have to worry about giving somebody a $100 million-plus contract extension. Now, that doesn't mean that's what the Bears should do, and I'm not saying that's what the Bears should or should not do, but financially there's a move that makes sense. If the Bears truly believe that Justin Fields is better than Caleb Williams, and if they truly believe Justin Fields is the guy who's going to get them to a Super Bowl, then you can also trade the number one pick for a massive return and get a lot of draft assets and potentially an impact player in that trade. So there's two very 
what seem like very good options for the Bears. However, if you do one, if you trade Justin Fields and Caleb Williams isn't a top five quarterback in the league, that looks like a failure. If you keep Justin Fields and Caleb Williams gets drafted by somebody else and he goes down to be the best quarterback in the NFL, you made a big mistake there too. So the Bears have two very good options, but they have two very hard decisions to make. And it's going to be interesting to see how that shapes out. Now, I do want to talk about if they were to trade Justin Fields. There's two teams that really come to mind. That would be the Falcons and the Steelers. I think Fields fits both of those offenses very well. He'd look good in Pittsburgh. My dream scenario, if he were to get traded, would be to see him in Atlanta with B. John Robinson, with Kyle Pitts, with Drake London. I think that offense would be incredibly dynamic. They already have set the tone with the run game. And now you add in a dual threat quarterback who could really thrive there. And I also think that Justin Fields would be a guy who could bring out the best in Kyle Pitts, which Atlanta has failed to do since drafting Kyle Pitts with what it was the fourth or the seventh overall pick in the draft, I believe. We saw what Justin Fields did with Cole Komet, really getting his stats up and really getting him involved in the Bears offense. I think he would do the similar type of work with Kyle Pitts and Kyle Pitts came out from Florida as a unicorn type of prospect. We had not seen a lot of tight ends with his athletic capabilities, and Atlanta just hasn't been able to capitalize on that. And I think Justin Fields could help Atlanta capitalize on Kyle Pitts' potential and really make the Falcons a very intriguing team. So that's the Bears talk. That's the Justin Fields talk. Let's stay on the quarterback conversation because there could be more I don't know if I want to say market resetting going on this year, but there's going to be a lot of big-time contract extensions that are going to get handed out. Some names that come to mind this offseason are Dak Prescott, Tua Tungvaluwa, Trevor Lawrence, Jordan Love, and Jared Goff. Now, last offseason was absolutely insane in the quarterback department. Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert all got massive market-setting deals. Will the Similar thing happened with the quarterbacks that I just named with Dak, Tua, Trevor Lawrence, Jordan Love, and Jared Goff. Only time is going to tell what these deals are going to look like, but there's going to be a lot of market competition, and it's going to be interesting to see how they compare to last offseason's record-setting deals. I think there is a different tier with Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert compared to the quarterbacks coming in now, but can they match or exceed The numbers that Lamar, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert got, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how these teams handle it with their cap situations. Giving a quarterback nearly $50 million a year is not an easy thing to do, but it can be a necessary thing to do. And that's the questions all these teams are going to have to ask themselves is how much is too much and how much is the perfect number for these quarterbacks? And are they going to agree to what the team may think that perfect number is? Quarterback market's going to be weird. It's going to be interesting. There's going to be some drama and tension with it. So definitely sit back and enjoy the ride of the quarterback market doing something that nobody can really predict. Up next, I want to talk about the Los Angeles Chargers. What are the Chargers going to do? There's a lot of excitement in Los Angeles with Jim Harbaugh, but it's not going to be an easy offseason by any means. The Chargers are about $40 million over the salary cap right now heading into the offseason. And I will say, that number can be reduced pretty easily, but it comes at the cost 
of cutting players like a Mike Williams or like a Keenan Allen or a Joey Bosa or a Khalil Mack. So there's ways you can get spending power if you're the Los Angeles Chargers, but it's going to come at the expense of cutting some of your most notable players. So Jim Harbaugh came over and everything seemed so great that he's now in Los Angeles with the Chargers and now the Chargers can finally become contenders. That still should happen, but it's not as easy as we made it seem when Harbaugh signed that deal. It's going to be a hectic offseason for the Chargers. They're going to have to make some very tough decisions on players who have been very productive for them, on players who have been there for a long time, on players who are fan and franchise favorites. But hard moves are going to need to be made this offseason for the Chargers if they want to be able to get some spending power so that Harbaugh can kind of construct his ideal roster centered around Justin Herbert. That's going to be a team to follow for sure because I don't know how that's going to shake out, but there's going to be some drama in L.A. The next thing I want to talk about, kind of flipping back to the quarterback talk, how are these rookie quarterbacks going to shake out? As of right now, I don't think there's really anything that can be done to not make Caleb Williams the first quarterback taken in the draft. But right after him, we got Jaden Daniels and Drake May. That's going to be a competition and something to watch. There's Bo Nix, who could potentially get himself into the same conversation as Jaden Daniels and Drake May. And then right after Bo Nix, or even in the same category as Bo Nix, we have guys like J.J. McCarthy and Michael Penix, who are going to make a team extremely happy. And I think the Combine and Pro Days are going to basically tell us if those guys are going to go in the first round or if they're going to go in the second round. But the quarterback class is very deep. Their teams have been waiting a while for this class to shape out. And from the looks of everything heading into, you know, combine and pro day season, it doesn't look like this quarterback class is going to disappoint. There really could be five or six starters that come out of this quarterback class. And I think the only thing left to see now is where are these guys going to land? What situations are they going to be put in? And who will have a chance to be an immediate day one starter? Immediately, I would say Caleb Williams should start week one. Jaden Daniels and Drake May are likely going to be week one starters as well. But can Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, and Michael Penix have the opportunity to become day one starters on their new franchises? There are a lot of quarterback openings this offseason, and there's even more potential quarterback openings this offseason. So it's going to be interesting to see how these guys perform. Some of them are not going to participate in the NFL Combine. Some will. So for the guys who are going to do the Combine, how much can they rise their draft stock? And then for everybody else, that Pro Day is going to be huge. We know they can all throw, but Pro Days are graded so insanely harshly. You can make or break draft stock in Pro Day. If we remember Teddy Bridgewater, he threw without gloves in his Pro Day. He always wore gloves when he quarterbacked at Louisville. He threw without gloves on his pro day, and the ball just didn't come out as smoothly. And so they said, you know what, I'm going to put the gloves back on. I'm going to play with them. That's what I've done. That's how I've been one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And his draft stock really plummeted because of that. So pro days, you are under a microscope. There's a lot that can go right for you. There's a lot that can go wrong for you. And we're going to see soon how all that starts to shake out. Now, as we get ready to round out this episode, I think there's always excitement on what some of the big spenders in free agency are going to do. This year, the Commanders, the Titans, Bears, Patriots, and Colts 
I'll have over $70 million ready to spend in free agency. And as always, it's going to be interesting to see if any of these teams can exit the rebuilding stage and become a contender. Now, the Houston Texans are in a phenomenal position to make a splash and elevate themselves into the true contender bubble as they have $67 million to spend. And this is a team that won their division and was one of the best teams and most surprising teams in the NFL last season. The Detroit Lions also have $57 million, which is huge for a team that just got to the NFC Championship game. The Cincinnati Bengals had $50 million to spend, and the Bengals should have been a Super Bowl contender if it weren't for Joe Burrow going down. So there's good teams with a lot of money to spend. Now, the real question that I like to ask is what do teams like the Buffalo Bills and the Baltimore Ravens do? These teams are contenders, but they virtually have close to zero spending power. And as I kind of mentioned earlier, teams can clear up cap space by restructuring contracts. You can cut players, you can trade players, but this all is not an easy process. However, this is where the offseason can be won or lost. It's with these contending teams. How much can you improve your roster while fighting it and being squeezed by the caps by the salary cap? The Bills and Ravens were both moments away from a Super Bowl appearance. And they both have open Super Bowl windows, but now their focus has to shift to we need to start worrying about who we can retain. We have impending free agents who are difference makers on our team. Can we keep all of these guys? Who do we want to keep? Who do we let go? Who do we cut so we can keep another one? How do you add new talent? Like I said, while being squeezed to the max by the NFL salary cap. Money to spend make the offseason really, really fun. When you got $70, $80 million to spend and you're going out making splash signings, that's a lot of fun to watch. But the contending teams are also a lot of fun to watch. And that's when I think you really see some genius maneuvers by general managers. How can you maneuver some money as these contending teams work to build off of last season's success? So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. The NFL's offseason is going to start heating up in about a week and a half. And I'll be covering a lot of it right here for you on the Sean's Take Podcast. So as always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next Thursday. Thanks for listening to the Sean's Take Podcast, and make sure to join Sean's Take on social media for more unique and exclusive content by following at Sean's Take on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok.